0: Welcome to the Life on Shuffle podcast, a collection of stories about people who have taken chances, embraced the unexpected, and inadvertently discovered their passion. Today we are featuring Teresa Gloucester, an artist from Lenore, North Carolina. Her artwork is well known by many in the region. Her art is a unique way of telling personal stories through visual techniques. Also in the room today, we have Natalie, Kerrigan, McKenna, Dea, and Josh. Welcome to the show, Teresa. Thank you. So, what made you agree to join us today? Well, Dale just asked me and I just agreed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was that simple.
0: Okay.
2: So, my question for you is what was your childhood like? Like, how did you grow up?
1: Well, the first memory that I have, we lived in West Virginia. I was born in uh, Gary, West Virginia, in a little place called Filbert, and it was in Holler Number 9. And it was a coal mining camp. And uh, we lived there until I was five years old. And they began to, cl- you know, close the mines down, coal mines. And so we moved back to North Carolina. That's where my grandfather was from. And my grandmother and grandfather raised me.
2: Um, When you were, like, a teenager, what do you think, like, your biggest influence was? Like, who, if it was a person or maybe a place, what do you think influenced you?
1: During my teenage years, it was, I'm going to say it was mainly the community, the church. You know, you didn't go outside of where you lived other than, you know, you just in the community. And you was from church to home until you got ready to uh, graduate, leave home, then you went, you had to have plans where you were going to go or what you were going to do in life.
2: So, since you said that a lot of the places you went to was like church and home, did you have a job or not as a teenager?
1: The first job that I had was in, at the Blowing Rock Country Club and I'm going to say you know I was a teenager maybe 18 at that time other than that I never I had never had a job.
2: And do you think like the area you grew up in like influenced you?
1: Influenced me in what my art or what Yeah, can, your art, your career. Now is. that I look back, you know, that's what I paint about is the memories mm-hmm. of my childhood and how I grew up.
0: So, did you attend college after?
1: No, I went to beauty school. Uh, I'm a beautician by trade. And I went to Wilmington, Delaware. It was in Wilmington, Delaware where I went to school.
0: Um, What interest did you have when you were in college as a beautician?
1: It was just to do hair and do different styles. And I was just into, you know, just hair, fingernails, glamour, you, anything like that. <laughs> That's what I was into.
0: So was that always like your original career path? Like you knew that you wanted to do something like as a beautician, like whenever you were a kid where you are like, oh, like I'm really into this. Like, I wonder if I want to do this.
1: No, <laughs> my mother was a beautician. Mm-hmm. My biological mother was a beautician. And every, you know, it was, a, my grandmother had 13 kids. So, you know, the, you could have picked up anything, <laughs> you know, Cause she could cook You had to do hair You had to do it all So um, Because my mother done hair And she went to beauty school Well it was like You can My aunt called and said You can get in beauty school here in Delaware Why don't you come up here So I did (laughs) I didn't finish there I finished at Leon's in Greensboro But
0: whenever that like came up did that kind of click for you Where you were like well maybe I would be good at that maybe that's like something that I really would like to do
1: yeah I thought that was you know I can do this a lot of people already before I went to school you know we would in the community they would say Teresa uh cut my hair fix my hair we all did that Mm -hmm. I had to pay for it sometimes because I my one uh, cousin asked me to cut her bangs and I pulled her hair down and cut over top and the hair just shot up <laughs> and I had to run <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to cut hair then
0: <laughs> looking back did you ever think that like where you are now did you ever think that maybe like being a beautician would not be like your main hobby or your main career like did you ever mm-hmm. think that was going to be something that maybe had been minimized because I know like whenever we were talking outside you said that you still do that but it's just not as many people as you did before
1: yeah I, I thought that I would always do hair and would retire mm-hmm. just doing hair I never dreamed well you know I could cook you know, just whatever that you want to do you can just tried and I could sew at one point I would, you know, I was making baby quilts at one point and I would sell the quilts or give them to my nieces, nephews, and then at one time I was selling pies, I'd make pies and sell pies, you know, just because my grandmother was a great cook, she was great in all these areas. Mm-hmm. And so, it was always something to do.
0: So, I know, like, whenever we were talking out in the hallway that you were telling us how, like, it kind of came to you, like, to do artwork and stuff like that. But I thought it would be, like, maybe nice to share, because I know McKenna. I know that he didn't hear that either. So, would you like to share, like, how you knew that you wanted to go into art and make art?
1: Okay, now, that story is long, but I'm going to cut it short. <laughs> I'll cut it down to the point where I was in, going, getting ready to go through a second divorce. And I felt like that I failed because I said, "I'm, you know, this is twice." And I said, I felt like I was a doing hair. But I wasn't successful, you know, being married. So I, one day I was just standing in the living room at my house. And I just started praying. And I asked the Lord to give me something from him and show me what his success would be for my life. And I asked him to let it be something that I'd never done before because I didn't want man to be in it. I just wanted not to look at somebody else. And about two or three weeks later, I was just laying on the bed and I heard this man talking and I was in HGTV, that's what it was, it was on that. And I heard the man talking and when I looked and he was showing his art and I said, I know they don't call that art. And I just started (laughs) laughing at and I said, I can do that. And a voice just went off inside me and said, oh, you can? What would you do? I said, I'd paint my childhood. I said, because I, I dream in colors. I, I dream in colors all the time. So uh, I said, that's it. I'm supposed to be doing art. So I wanted to meet him. And I have an aunt that lives in Winston-Salem. So I called her and asked him, I asked her had she ever heard of Sam McMillan? And, and she said, yeah, I've heard him. I've been by his house. And so I said, well, I'm going to be in Winston. I want you to take me by his house. And when I went to see him, he said, um, girl, out of thousands, the thousands of people that have seen me, you the only one that has contacted me you know about this art I said well I can do that I haven't painted yet but I know I can do that he said oh you can I said yeah and I didn't tell him about what happened so he said well do it and don't let anybody judge your work I said okay so months went by and he called and he said girl you got anything ready I said yeah He said, well, we're having a show in Winston. Why don't you come on down? And I said, "Uh, okay. So I just put my stuff on the back of my truck and headed to Winston-Salem. And he said, stop by my house so I can see what you done." And I did. And when I showed him my work, he just grabbed it and just started hugging. said, he said, child, you don't know what you're doing and I didn't. And he said, uh, this is folk art. I had never heard of that. And uh, he said, you are really a great artist. And I, st- I couldn't see it. I could not, I was looking at it, and I bought a few pieces so you could see what I do. But I could not see that, cause I was, that's the life that I lived. So we went to the show and I had a friend that helped me pack. They said, Teresa, when you get there, just say buy one, get one free. But I went to the show, and I didn't sell anything. But people were looking. I was so happy. I said, I don't know if I could have handled it if somebody would have bought one piece for me. And so after, after that, you know, I threw the stuff back on the truck and come home. My first show, I didn't sell nothing. But that didn't make me feel bad at all Not at all
2: How old were you?
1: I was about 47 when I started
2: So you Probably done a lot of different things Before that point And then Your success at that show was how everybody Just loved it, it didn't matter if you sold anything And people's response to looking at it Yeah, the response
1: You know, and I had never prayed and asked for A gift you know, it's just like I'd pick up something and I could do all kind of flower arrangements. I could do that. I could. People would ask me to decorate for a wedding. I could do that. It was just... But I didn't look at that as, you know, a gift or I just something I could do. So I know that...
0: You were talking about how it made you so excited that people at that art show, like, even just looking at it, that, like, you found that really successful. But, like, did you have any fear of maybe, like, the people around you, like, your family back home, like, maybe they would judge you for it or just kind of taking on a new task? They would be like, does she really know what she's getting into? They
1: never entered my mind. (laughs) I was on a mission and I had a cause. And I said, um, you know, to me it was v- it's very spiritual mm-hmm. because I said I asked God to give me something from Him. So now I'm not looking at people. I'm not looking for a pat on the back from anybody. It's not them I'm trying to please anymore. And once that happened, it's like I don't. It's like something ke- tells me all the time. Don't look to the left, don't look to the right. Keep your focus straight ahead. Just keep looking straight ahead. Because there's always gonna be those kind of people that are going to make you feel lesser than or try to make you feel bad or say things to you. And I'll just say, God said he'd fight my battles. And I said, I'm going on cause people have done things just because I paint just don't, you don't think it's a flower bed of ease because people just say things to you you say i can't believe they said this to me <laughs> and when they say those things you say well you know god said he fight my battles you ain't supposed to get upset because everybody's not gonna like you and so that's the way i take it and honest when things happen i tell people like the successes, the way I've been successful, things that have happened, I said, well, gosh, God did glorify his own self. He used me to take this to this point, that point. But when he got over here, he took over. He glorified himself. I didn't get no money. <laughs> I didn't get any money for it, but he got the honor and the glory for it. He used my work, you know.
3: What kind of impact
1: have you made through your career and your current interest?
3: Like, what have you done to maybe change someone with your art? Or what really hit you, like, with your interest? And, you know,
1: like, what really changed you for the best, like, with your your art? What changed me for the best? Mm -hmm. Well, to me, the best is just being obedient. Because doing the kind of art that I do... It just it goes beyond my childhood um the events that goes on in the world, and it will make a a big impression like on my life or to me or and it's like something will say do paint paint something about this, don't let this pass by, do something about it and and I will, and it's like. That was the perfect thing to do at that time. And the first time that I done it was with the Twin Towers. And Sam would say, girl, have you painted anything about the Twin Towers? And I said, no. And he said, well, you need to paint something about the Twin Towers. And sure enough, it was just like, when I painted, it was just like from for my child. It was like children, and they look like children from my era, and that I was painting about. you'll say, Gosh, and people they will that's things that they want, whatever goes on in the world, and you're always telling a story, but it's always from a point of view of love, and my all of my family paintings are from the basic of love. And um, most of the times, people will come up to me and say, you know, they'll say, that painting touched me. It spoke to me. And see, because I don't know anything about art, I it just, you know, it just happens. You say, well, if they're crying, and I'm say say, this woman is crying. <laughs> She'll say, that painting touched me. And see, because... I never knew anything about art. It's like, that's all strange to me. But you just do it.
3: So, whenever things like that were happening, did something happen where you just knew that art was for you, like, that's what you wanted to do?
1: I knew that was it because I was, every day I got up, I was looking in my life to see if anything had changed. You know, I say, well, nothing changed today. It was just like that. And then when I was just laying on the bed and heard that man talking, I said, well, I, I don't know how to paint. So this has got to be it. And you'll be thinking in life, how can that do anything for my life? How can I make a difference? You know, you're you looking at there again, I'm looking at myself. But then I said, I'm supposed to be glorifying God. I don't know how he's gonna use it. I don't know what he's gonna do. He can do anything. He owns the world. Is in the palm of his hand. So when my work somebody called me uh it was around February. It was right before I went to the show in Chapel Hill. And they said Teresa, I just seen your a, a work on Good Morning America. They called it what a GMA. They they were only saying the initials. So I said, Wow, you don't think nothing of it. And I wouldn't tell nobody what they was doing. You know what she said, cause I wasn't familiar with it like that. But then by the time I got to my art show, it was like that was the talk. And they said Teresa, did you know your work? Is it Christie's hanging on the wall? Well, if you don't know anything about Christie's, you know, you just said, well, what is Christie's? And they come to find out, you know, they were having this big auction in New York of Andre Leon Talley's, all of his things. And he had bought a lot of work for me uh, at Farrington. So my artwork was on the wall at Christie's. And, all, you know, all these professors and all these people that are in a different kind of circle, they knew all this stuff that was going on. You know, I live down over here, so I didn't know what was going on. But one of the ladies at the show, she, uh, she talked to me about it. She said, I'm going to see if anything's sold, if your work sold. So she come back with a a piece of paper, and she said, look at this. I said, $1,200. She said, Teresa, look at it, what did it say? I said, $1,200. She said, put my glasses on. (laughs) (laughs) And I looked at it again, and it said, $12,600 for the three pieces that, that of mine that he had collected And somebody bought it And she said you need to add a zero And a lady beside her said "No, You need to add a comma <laughs> And you know And just that quick People started calling And started buying my work uh, Before the show started And uh, people that had never They didn't even know me Was calling me and you know, and saying, uh I seen your work, and it's just priced just so high. Uh, where can I get something of yours? They were talking to me, you know, like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so you look at all of this, and you you look at it, but you don't let it blow your mind. You know, say when I go back home, I know I gotta pay this bill, that bill, that bill. So you know, and I gotta start painting again. I got one painting at a time. You know, you can't let it take you. And that's when I say God glorifies Because the men had passed away, and they auctioned off all of his stuff. And then another guy that was there, he's, he said, "Teresa, you don't understand." He said, "Christie's is one of the most." wealthiest places in the United States and in the world. Uh, art goes for millions of dollars off of that wall. And just the thought, yours was on the wall. You know, now all I could do is look at it because I didn't own it anymore. And that what he bought from me for hardly, you know, we'd look at it, it wasn't $1,000. And it was for $12,000. So it's like you in something and it's bigger than you are okay
0: so um, I know you said that a lot of people would come up to you and be like your artwork like really touched me like you mentioned the one woman mm-hmm. Um. so like whenever you make the artwork like physically you're sitting there making it however you are do you feel any emotions while you're doing it like especially if you're talking about like childhood memories yes If it's, excuse me, if
1: it's sad, I can sit there and cry. If it's happy, I'm laughing, just like we all here back at home again, back at that same age. Just what, if it's in church and people are getting happy and singing, I'm singing. I'll go in the living room and play the piano, play the song, Uh, I wanna put, I said I need to put that song in the picture. And you you have all these emotions and feelings. It it takes you away, like it's taking you somewhere. And then sometimes when I get through with a painting, I'll go back into the painting. They say, what do you mean go back into it? It's like you just go into it and start working on it again. And you get these same feelings, and you say, I'm gonna change mama's dress a little bit. I'm going to change something. On, you know, just like you really there.
0: So, do you have, like, any mentors that you think shaped you whenever you started doing art and becoming an artist? Like, maybe did you consider, I forgot what his name was, but the man on HGTV, would you consider him, like, a mentor for whenever you first started?
1: I don't know. You had to know Sam. <laughs> you had to know. You had to <laughs> just know him. You know he wouldn't sell me a piece of his art. <laughs> he wouldn't say, I said, Sam, let me buy You ain't got nobody. That's where he start talking. Ain't nobody gonna see your work in my house. And your, there ain't nobody rich coming to your house. <laughs> he would talk that much mm-hmm. junk to me. But it seems like after I met Glenn Henson, he was more of a, more of a calm, you know, he's a teacher. Mm-hmm. So he's more relaxed and calm. And talking, and he knew more about the art world than I did you, Sam would say, Girl you can you can paint them pictures in ten minutes, throw my on the ground, and walk on them with somebody about <laughs> That was his attitude, mm-hmm. and because I guess he did folk art himself. he said, "Just don't start painting dots cause them dots is mine. I'm the dot man, so <laughs> don't do that." And, you know, I just took that, and I said, okay, Sam. (laughs) And I just, you know, I didn't understand it. I did not understand it. So I just started doing what I do.
0: Would you say that you have reached, like, your definition of success with your artwork and other things that you do?
1: Would I say what now?
0: That you've reached, like, your definition of success with it.
1: No, 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 no. I don't think you don't. I don't think you can put. Uh, long as you're breathing, and you're able to move, you you just don't know. There's no limit. You don't know what the limit is. You just keep going.
0: Is there anything that you think you would have done differently, like maybe starting artwork before you did, or do you think it was all like all in the timing that you like it needed to be in?
1: I think it was the timing was the time and it needed to be in uh, because there's so much about life you need to learn and it was like when it happened it was the perfect time Mm
0: -hmm. so before I read the last question is there any questions that have like came up in your mind or anything because I know that I've just been trying to like think about more because there's like I keep on thinking of things and then they leave my mind I'm like what was I about to ask
2: (laughs) I I want to see the art you brought. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know that everybody that's listening to this isn't going to be able to see it. They so can look it up. <laughs> if well, we're for sure going to.
1: I'll start passing it this way, and when it come back around, I'll put it in. Uh put it back in my purse. Okay. But this is a little painting. This is this is what it, it looked like to me when we went to the spring when I was young. We had to go to the spring to carry water. So, and all I'm doing is just painting what a memory would look like. Um, sometimes we would leave the house and we wouldn't ask Mama. And we would go to the store. And this is what the little story would be like. And Mama would get on the edge of the bank and she would call everybody by their name. <laughs> and would tell us to get to the house and on the way to the house to get a switch <laughs> because we had <laughs> we had left the house this one is after she used the switch she said we like little angels now <laughs> and and there's this man he was a preacher he would always say uh, they had prayer meeting up there last night <laughs> they just like little angels now so that's that and this would be like what church would be like. Like the church service or how the church looked mm-hmm. This would be uh... Mama's wash day this is what it would look like And these are just little things that I, I try to keep something for myself And they, I was told this would, we have to get the clothes off the line Not to sell anything under $200 The smallest thing I have Well these are things that I want to keep I like And I just have them for myself uh, that is like Would be at When we went to camp This is how we'd be sitting in camp And we would sing songs And I call this like A toilet Called going to the toilet Because we didn't <laughs> have inside bathroom And this would be like The Saturday night bath these is the thing I have on my refrigerator. <laughs> and we didn't have like running water, so we either caught rainwater rain water or would have to go to the spring and carry water. And you only got a bath on Saturday, so I call it the Saturday night bath. <laughs> <laughs> and that was so you'd be clean for Sunday. <laughs> and this is just a picture of the whole family. My grandmother and her 13 kids. And even even though times was hard, you know, there was, you found happiness within your family. You know, there was always plenty to eat. Or somebody's chickens running around laying eggs. And we would get them and cook. And this lady would I painted that picture this year uh, At my Farrington show This lady uh, She would say I'm going to call the welfare on you young Because y'all You know getting my eggs And we said these chickens Laid eggs in the woods Or they was in our Well house So when we heard the chickens cackling <laughs> we get the eggs and cook
2: them <laughs> So, okay. what's the best way for people to, like, see your work? Do you have a, a website or social media? Like, I'm well, sure we got to all experience that and, and see it firsthand, but I'm sure everybody that's listening to this would like to see it as well.
1: Well, like, I will be doing a show. It's going to be at Edgewood in Blue and Rock, the 26th of, Janu- of June. And uh, mainly... If a person want to see my work, you know, if you go online, you're going to see something. And I have, like, my house is just, it's own museum. (laughs) It is.
3: And actually, um, I wanted to ask you a question about the houses in your pictures. I know they can't see it because they're listening, but the pictures um, have houses and they look kind of similar. Like, whose house is it?
1: That was a house that my grandparents rented that house when we moved from West Virginia, and it was like an old gunshot house, that's what they called them. And uh it only had four rooms in it, and and a lot of times I paint about each room what went on because it had two bedrooms. Mom and daddy had a bedroom. There's the other one the bedroom was they had like two beds, the boys slept in one, the girls slept in one. And you just had to make do until you could do better. But even though it was, you had to do what you had to do, you didn't complain because you were happy because all the family was together. And we was just like, you survived, you made it. And daddy, he worked for the United Coal Miners. So it was like, you didn't want or anything you just had to wait till your turn to where you could get a house built or buy the land or whatever. Eventually, the, all of that you know, it came with time, but you know, you just had to do the best you could.
0: So, this is a little off topic, but um, I heard that you made a jacket um, for Whoopi Goldberg. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever see yourself making like something that, like, um, someone like
1: as famous as her? Mm I no, because Leon Talley was at my art show, and when I first met him, I'm looking at him saying, "Now, who who is this? What is it?" <laughs> He's gonna start of asking me a lot of questions, you know. Uh, this your about your family? This your childhood? You know. Talking to me like that, I didn't know who I was talking to. So he talked, and I found out that, you know, he was a famous clothes designer. And so after I met him the first time, the second time when he come to the show, he said, I come all the way down from New York just to see you. And I, see, I said, I've been thinking about you. And and he, he was what Six foot seven or six foot six So you know he was a tall man And I, I always I, He wore these long drape Like clothes And he said do you mind if I sit down And I'm praying Lord please don't let that chair break Because he's so big <laughs> So he sit down And we just talked and talked and talked And he bought a lot of work And I said well you know I design dresses too He said you do? He said, Theresa, let me see your dress. So I took the dress. It's in a brown paper bag. I took it out and I put it on and I modeled like I was modeling. <laughs> and his mouth just dropped open. He said, Oh my God, Theresa, look at that dress. I love that dress. But there's so many people around. It was like I wasn't paying him any attention. He just kept saying, Theresa, I love your dress. <laughs> and I said, Thank you. He said, "It's so Whoopy, Whoopy. This looks so much like Whoopy, and I haven't got her anything for her birthday. I would like to get that for Whoopy." So he bought the dress, and I said, "Well, i made a jacket too." He said, "The rester get the jacket." I said, "You gonna watch my boob while I'm going to the car and get it?" And I had to walk almost a half a mile to the car. He said, "I will sit here and wait for you till you get back." But I told the girl that was over the show that he was watching my booth. So she went, you know, to him. And I bought the jacket back. And he loved both pieces. And make a long story short, he got both pieces. And then one day he called and he said, wrestler, where are you? I said, Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> he said, well, Whoopi's wearing your dress and coat this morning. You need to get somewhere so you can see her on TV with the dress and the coat on. So I did, and I seen her, you know, wearing the coat and the dress on the View, and she she wore it more than one time. But he let me know, and then he had a show, and I was one of the first guests that he called on his show, a radio program that he done. So you know, you can call that success. I think it's successful, you know, to be able to talk to these people, because you meet famous people. But when you meet them, it's like you said, I know I know that person. I know the about know where I met him. You know, I met Charles Lewis, and I said, "Are you a preacher?" And he said, "No, I. You probably see me. i Dr. Martin Luther King." And I'm saying. I thought I'd seen you somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just like you just, you know, one man said, this is one of the uh, well-known doctors in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know what his position is, but they said he's the top. He said, he come and sit down beside of me. He said, you know what? I give anything to know to be able to have this gift. said my world is just so sterile. He said and you are able to you know create and I'm looking at He said, how can you say that? You know you you looking at what they got money wise and you looking at yourself but he's got it. I guess we sitting there reaching for each other's whatever but I mean, you just meet these people, and you and you feel like you're just talking to regular people. And they, they come in at you just like, I'm a regular person. Just like you are. So whatever that you do, don't lose who you are. I think where I lost the first part of my life, always looking to somebody else to make me feel like I was good enough. And to get the age that I am to realize you know you you got you had it all along you just didn't know it you don't have to look to anybody else you got it
0: so what do you think is the best advice that you have for young people maybe our age or a little bit younger a little bit older trying to figure out what they want to do in life or like what passion they have
1: I would say don't get discouraged uh, like, if you fail, you feel like you didn't make it the first time, you keep getting back up. Because I'll, every failure that you have, it's just another lesson. Don't look, Don't be sad, be happy. Because when you do get there, you know, it's like, it's going to be easy. But you're going to say, uh, sometimes you're going to get tired. And then when you get to your successes, you just, you said, I am glad for every failure, Mm -hmm. not failure, but every unsuccessful moment, you're going to be so happy for that. You're going to ask yourself, you said, if this hadn't happened to me, what would have happened to me now? You're already prepared. All your failures made you prepare for your successes. Because when something happens, you say, I got that. This happened to me when I was 10 years old. So just keep just keep looking forward. And don't let the left and the right deter you. Keep looking straight ahead. Just keep marching, and you'll get there. The fact that you're here right now is a lot. Many people never see just what you all are seeing right now.
3: Okay, I know this is going on kind of long, but I just want to ask you one more question. How do you do it? How do you
1: keep looking forward? I just get up every day and I keep working. I just keep doing like what I like to do. And just to say, gosh, somebody, somebody's going to buy this. Somebody's going to like this. And then I, I'll just say, you know, Lord, did I please you? Um, is this right? Are you satisfied with this? You keep looking over it till it looks perfect to you. And then you want it to keep it, I want to keep it for myself. And I know I have to let it go. And something to say, oh, Teresa, you can paint that again. You can paint that again. And you can paint them over and over and over. And you'll say, every time you sell that piece, you say, oh, you can paint that again. And people just keep buying and keep liking your work. And it's a different world. And it's like you meet a lot of artists like yourself. I do. And it's their work is just unreal. It's just so beautiful to me. And they sell just like I sell. We all basically have the same story. And it's just a good feeling. It's just, you're just happy. But don't count these bad times as hard times. You know, like... I might as well give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's just a stepping stone, that's all it is.
0: Thank you to Teresa for joining us today. Today's episode was recorded on April 20th, 2023. This episode was produced by McKenna Carswell and it was hosted by Natalie Crump with the help of co-hosts Kerrigan Bailey and Deidula.